Here's another interview I have to re-record, but uh, that's great. You know what? I have no regrets really about that. I'm thankful for my guest to be patient and come back to talk with me. But for me, it's it's more discussion. It's great. And now I'm joined by French Paragon. Hello, guys. So I'm Paragon or French Paragon on the English forums because yeah, that pseudonym is a bit more popular in English. And I'm a Swiss author and illustrator for tabletop role-playing games, mostly. And right now, I'm studying in Australia, where I've lived for one year, and hopefully I'm there for two more years. So, and you told me yesterday, I find that really amazing. So you showed up there, and you game mastered a French game in English for Australians yeah. then. How did that go, and what yeah. game was it? Well, I think they liked it. I found that Australians are a bit less willing to talk about their emotions and feelings than Europeans. So I'm not quite sure, but I think they appreciate it. The only hard stuff was sometimes I would miss a word, so I would always have my phone with Google Translate open next to me. But uh, the rest of the time is quite easy. I'm a fluent English speaker. I worked for two years in a Swiss university in a lab where we were talking in English all days. And now I've lived in Australia for one year, so it was not a problem at all to so, game master in English. So which game did you pick and uh, what type of adventure was that? That was my game. It's called Orenidia. And that's a medieval fantastic game in animalistic fantasy, a bit like Narnia kind of setting. It was a version of the official campaign that I'm writing right now, working on. Take place in the Northern Kingdom, where the king is gone since 300 years. And there's political factions that will fight There's a prophecy that one of the children of the old king and queens that was lost is about to return from the other world. And the players are just thrown in the middle of that. They should find the faction that they want to help and they will try to define the future of the kingdom. What do you place your game in terms of, of system and, uh, and intent because with a similar setting you could go from uh, something rather OSR like Mouse Ritter or to something which would be very shared storytelling like a, a poet by the uh, apocalypse things what, what sort of the vibe of your system I had to translate the name of the system in English I would have a hard time then in Franglish I can say that's the threats simple system because you define your character with a series of threats. So you write, yeah, my character is strong. He left his family when he was young to achieve ta-ta-ta. And so it means you write the description, the feats and the background of your character. And that becomes your feats with a level and bam, you are ready to play. So it's 
I wouldn't classify it as an OSR, but it's still supposed to provide the same feelings than old school dungeon crawling games with just characteristics, uh, feats, and you roll a dice, you get some bonuses. But it's much, much lighter, which is nice if you just need to improvise a game one night. So you mentioned Franklish when you were running it or, or naming the system. That means that at this stage, Orenidia is only available in French, not English yet. Yeah, it's only available in French for the moment. There are some discussion to translate it with my editor, but it's a really long-term project, really long-term project. It might happen in two years, that would be the shortest, and that's really a conditional. But in French, it, it's published already? It's available yeah, digitally yeah. In and French, in the stores? It's published. The editor is Plaisir d'Histoire, which is a tabletop role-playing games and a fantasy novels editor who works in Switzerland. With your experience in Australia, were you exposed to any local game designers? Sadly, no a local game designer. But yeah, I played in a club, the university club. I know there's another club in my city, which is Perth, but I didn't went there for the moment. The club of the university is called Unigames. The other club, I don't remember their name, but I know it's pretty easy to find them. You just type tabletop role-playing game on Meetup in the Perth region, and you should find them. No problem. Need to hook you up with uh, Paddy Hutchinson, who was one of our guests on Café Rollist on our stream. He's a rather prolific game designer, a lot of short-format indie games. Actually, one of his games is even included in the Cyber Bundle. It's called, yes, The Soul Traders by Paddy Hutchinson. Do you know when 3.0 will be, like in spring 2021? Well, you know, just being a little bit in the coulisses, uh, in the backstage uh, with the organizers, I know the amount of stress associated with organizing 2.0 as well. So I'm keeping this sort of questions for in a couple of weeks, if not months. Okay, yeah, well. I remember at the time of the first edition, I think it was in March or April, there was a running gag that to keep asking them, to keep not even ask them, but tell them that we were looking forward for the next one in May. But it was just uh, teasing them. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of your first CyberCon? What did you do here? What did you participate to? And yeah. what's your overall impression of what it's like as a virtual convention yeah it was really nice well uh with the time shift between western europe in australia it was a bit hard because i was sleeping when the most activities would occur but i still had a nice time i played one game for western europeans which was full and we had a lot of pleasure and another game for people on standard Eastern time, so mostly people from Quebec. And yeah, I had one people there, but we were still able to play and had a nice time too. I also 
did some live illustration and answered a few interviews. Met also a few people in the different audio chants and had a really nice conversation. Was a good experience. I would probably do it again if there's a, an edition 3.0. My own little wish for 3.0, and by wish I mean, first of all, it's really not a criticism of 2.0 <laughs> and it's not asking people to do more. It's a good resolution on my part. I will try to do more when 3.0 happens. I'd like to try to get even more people from around the world participate CyberConf. Here in London, we have enough French speakers. There's, there's even a French-speaking tabletop RPG club of London. I'm almost convinced that there's not enough French-speaking people to have a French-speaking tabletop role-playing game club. In the local tabletop games, I know there's a few people speaking in French each time. I hear them in the room, but uh, most people still play in English. I think somewhat closer to your time zone, people we, I could try to get on CyberConf, there are a circle rollist of Shanghai and a circle rollist of Saigon. So maybe we can have uh, those join and bring more games in your time zone for CyberConf. That would be nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would definitely be nice. Do you have anything else you wish to talk about? No, no. Thank you for inviting me for that interview. That was really nice. It's my pleasure. Thanks for doing it a second time. Where can people find you uh, if you wish to be found online? You can find me, well, my main game, Orenidia, as a website. That's orenidia.ch. I will include it or, in the description of the episode so people can just click. I'm mostly active on Facebook, posting drawings and uh, some news. I'll share also my my Facebook page URL to you so that uh, people can find it in the interview description. Great. Thank you so much again uh, for joining us from uh, Down Under. And, uh, well, uh, have a nice uh, cybercom. Thanks, you too. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.
are still at CyberCon when uh, suddenly someone entered my little stand, my little booth to talk to me about something I heard about this Friday and seems very interesting and is available in English. Something called Tales. Who are you? And uh, yes, please do tell us about Tales. Hello, uh, thanks for having me. Tales is a TTRPG asynchronous tool. So basically your goal is to play any RPG game but asynchronously. And it's text-based, right? Absolutely, yeah. For now, Tales is the first of many applications that we want to do. Actually, we have Tales, which is the TTRPG one. We have the Codex, which, which is a campaign manager, which already is available and can work with Tales. We want to create many other applications that are still in, in proof of concept, but of course, we're going to have character creation tools. We want to have a flight tracker inventory management, etc. But those are all in the future. Right now, we're really focusing on Tales. And it's uh, an application which I believe is browser-based. Absolutely. So it, it's really just a website, and it's available on any device. So basically, your phone, tablet, laptop should work on everything almost. <laughs> and uh, your own involvement with that, uh, what is that? So the company started about two years ago, the product, I mean. The founder is uh, Maslow, so Michel is his name. He's actually just a fan of RPGs, and just for his own campaign, he felt that he was needing some tools to go through his campaign and archive everything and use. Since he is a web developer, he created, first of all, I think it was Artwork Finder, so he developed a proof of concept of the Artwork Finder, and eventually he moved on to Tales because he was playing a lot of RPGs and he needed to keep archives. And so he created tales where he could add some chat, write down all of his stories and list all his characters, the events and whatnot. Anyways, he created this uh, two years ago and he's been working on it since part time. I joined the company maybe six months ago. Michel and I actually are friends from childhood and I happened to move in Canada maybe 10 years ago and we kept in contact. Eventually, I became a web developer as well on my side, and we spoke again, and he was like, oh, well, did you want to join the project? And I always liked RPGs, but more in the video game industry for myself. And eventually, I was like, well, let's do it. It sounds amazing. The project is very neat, technically, and the tool that you're developing seems cool, and uh, let's go. That's where we are at right now. So both of us are working full-time on the project. We are funding this with our own money. Almost. I mean, we just added the payment system, so the subscription system, maybe two months ago. But yeah, it's still essentially funded by us. And we have one community manager, which is Cindy, which does a great job. And we have the brother of Michel, so Rémi, who is helping on multiple small tasks here and there. That's the team. It's available both in French and English, right? Absolutely. So the big majority of the audience that we have would be French. I think probably more than 90% for now. But the application is fully translated in English and French. And we have about 400 people that created an account and uh, maybe half of those that are actively playing every week. Some of them, maybe 100 people around that are on our Discord and are pretty much active. And uh, they help us actually give us feedback on whatever feature would be nice whatever bugs we have, those kind of stuff. So those people are kind of our alpha testers. 
How does it present itself when I go there? I'm the game master. I create a game. What can my players do? And what are the, the functionalities? You already mentioned uh, quite a few, but uh, how does that work? When you arrive, first of all, you have to create an account. Whether you're a game master or a player, you have to create an account. It's just really logging in. Then if you want to create a game and you want to be a game master, you have to create a, a world. So there's just one button that asks you to create a new world. From that world, you create a story inside of that world. And all of this is explained step by step, of course. So you create your world, you create your story, and then in your story, you're going to subdivide the story in different chapters. Once all of this is constructed, so the game is kind of started, you are in a kind of a lobby, so you can invite other players. And in that lobby, you can post some notes, maybe the rules of the game, the explanation of the world, some PNGs that you want to present. This is with the Codex tool that we have integrated with Tails. So basically, you have one window on the left that displays what are the chapters and multiple on the right that you can toggle between, which explain you, so uh, the characters, what is the story, what is the, the contract of the game, those kind of things. So once you've invited all of your players, you can actually start a chapter. And everybody arrives in the chapter. And then you have the main feature of Tales. So how it presents, you have two chats, one on the left, which is the role-playing chat, where you actually tell your story. So Game Master can start by putting an introduction of the world, what is the intrigue, what is the goal of the story. And everybody incarnate their own characters that they have created, and they can speak as their characters. And Everybody enters any bit of story when they participate. On the right side, you have reaction chat. So as we want to keep the immersion pretty clean in the role-playing chat, they have a reaction chat on the other side that allows them to speak as themselves. So they can actually react as their own individual. So I would be Nicola, for instance. Like it's really just like a MSN chat. So they can roll dices. You can post uh, GIFs, images, talk. Are you using Tails at the moment to play a game? I'm playing with my brother and sister. <laughs> and the, the thing is, my brother's in France, and I live in uh, Montreal, so Canada. Oh. And the fact that it's asynchronous is really very practical. Of course, it's a bit different. There are some drawbacks regarding that, because sometimes you have to wait for somebody else to actually play. But... The thing is, we can really take our time. So my brother and sister, we are kind of noob in role-playing games, actually. But the fact that we have the time to think about our story, to think about what our characters are going to say, I am the game master, so I have the time to really prepare my plot. Every afternoon, I try to spend maybe half an hour preparing what is the next step of the story, and then I just wait for my players to do their action. And so the rhythm is pretty... Easy to follow, so it's maybe once a day, once every two days. There's no pressure. It's pretty easy to play since we do have notification in the website. So when somebody talks, you just click on the link, you go to the story, you see what he said, maybe you want to answer or not. It's pretty convenient. There seemed to be a rather strong revival of sort. I remember this sort of thing in the heydays of forums, but there's really a strong comeback of epistolarian role-playing games. There was a, a panel about that here at, at CyberConf. You've seen a lot of growth in terms of people engaging with tabletop role-playing games this way. 
I presume this might have a link with the world context. Maybe, Maybe. the fact that people can, cannot uh, meet and greet, uh, I guess that helps. At the same time, what's interesting with that format, it, to me, it seems is that if you don't really have the time when uh, well, I'm unemployed at the moment, but back in the days before you should the start a game, you should start a game <laughs> before the pandemic, and when I had a job, I can imagine that okay, the whole day you're working, you got a, a break here and there. You know, you need to get your mind off a bit from the job, and then you come home. And in my case, you're a parent, so you don't really have the luxury of being able to travel to somewhere to play, or you are not even available to play online uh, like several hours straight. But with that format, I could play during my breaks, or even when I take just a couple of minutes, I can play from the bathroom at work. <laughs> you could, you could, <laughs> in an asynchronous way. So it's still very appealing if you're very active, and uh, we are in a post-COVID world, I think. Absolutely. And so for now, we are focusing on tail and adding some features, adding some reaction emojis, for instance, or those kind of stuff. But the goal for the overall application would be to fit any style of player. So if you want to use it to do asynchronous TTRPG, go ahead for sure. But eventually, we're going to have a map. We're going to have so the, the codex, which is the campaign manager, so where you create every entities, your world, and description of those. We want to have multiple tools that fits any type of player. If you have maybe a, a regular Dungeons & Dragons session tonight, and you don't want to play asynchronous, you're going to see your friends. Well, on your phone, or if somebody has a laptop or whatnot, or tablets, you could have all of your codex and your information for your players. You can have the map displayed. So you could really pick and choose tool you want to have from our platform. Of course, this is not there yet. We think in maybe a few months we'll get there for some of the tools. As I said, we're just two developers, but we are full-time. So that's our goal for now. I imagine that would be a lot of work, but does that include being compatible with something like D&D Beyond, or would you have your own in-house character keepers for different systems? So... We don't exclude doing some partnership with other companies. For sure, for now, we're a bit smaller, of course. But yeah, we don't exclude it. However, we like to do things our way. What we strive to is having a tool that is really easy to use and instinctive. So some other platforms we find are very good, but a bit too complex and a bit too heavy. We don't want to assume like a big, huge thing that you, you just use 5% of. We want it to be with our design, our UX, somewhat straightforward. So this is why some of the, the critical aspects of RPG we want to do ourselves. So for instance, the character sheet, we already have some designs and we think we will probably do it ourselves. We never know. If there's a good partnership that arrives with something that fits our vision, we could do the partnership. But so far, we're probably going to develop things ourselves. <laughs> I've heard that uh, one of the coming functionalities people are keen to see arrive is a mean to export the text in PDF or other formats, and that you could even filter it so it shows only in-game exchanges or in-character exchanges. Well, kind of a spoiler, but uh, it's probably coming in the next updates. <laughs> I've been working on it for about three weeks, so it is imminent. <laughs> Great, huh? Also, if people want to hear more about that and are able to speak French, we talked about Tales as part of, I think it was the first Radio Libre of Cybercom, so you can also go check that out. But 
What's your business model? Because I was told that the right word is, is that it's a freemium system. That's the right term. So basically what it means is the whole platform is free to use. You can play a game from A to Z 100% without paying a dime. But if you want some life enhancement tools, some small tweaks here and there that will help you facilitate your life, you can pay a subscription, either a premium subscription or a premium plus. So we have two different tiers. For now, we have very limited content for those tiers, but we're adding some stuff every two weeks. For instance, something that doesn't change the game but facilitates your life on Tails is the interface customizer. So in Tails, as I was saying, you have the, like the right panel and the left panel. But actually, on the right panel, it is a stack of multiple panels stacked together. So you have like the chat, you have the map, you have the codecs, you have options, those kind of stuff. The customization, when you're premium, you can actually spread out those panels and decide if you want to have four panels side to side or if you want to have like three and two stacked together or those kind of stuff. So it's it's just customization in TN because we want people to just be able to enjoy the games and use the platform freely without having to pay, uh, I don't know how much, for <laughs> just to play uh, a simple game. One cool thing I was told also is that your community is involved into picking which functionality would come next or would resources would be invested into. How does that work and what are sort of the functionalities that your community is, is asking for at the moment? We try to stay as close as possible to the community. Mainly it's the people in the Discord. For of course, So of course that's not 100% of the people using the platform. But those people on Discord are very vocal, which is nice. And so first of all, they give us all of the feedback regarding bugs, issues, or nice to have a little tweaks here and there, which we tend to implement pretty quickly, usually. But furthermore, in the bigger picture, at first, we had a specific channel in the Discord where people could vote for, for feature, and it was a proposition section in the end. And they were proposing some features, and eventually people would vote for them in the Discord, putting a thumbs up or whatnot and we would implement the one with the most thumbs up. That way of doing things had limitations because in the end, every feature had all of the thumbs up. <laughs> so it was, was kind of hard to filter uh, through those. So we implemented this kind of voting system directly in the website. So now in your profile page, there's a section that is called wishlist and everybody has three points which they can vote. And we have so the same list of features. So for instance, right now, if I'm looking at the website, the feature with the most votes would be the interactive map, which I think we'll need to do pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, the second one would be the PDF export, which, which we were talking a few minutes ago. Then we have emoticons, so smileys in the chat, text search, those kind of stuff. So it's really the people that once they are on the platform, they can go vote for whatever they like. And once the feature is complete, the features removed from the list, and every a few, I think three months or so, we replenish all the points to everybody, so that everybody does not vote on everything all the time. And uh, yeah, that's the system we found so far, and it's going pretty well. Where can people find you? And is there one last thing we did not cover about Tails? I think we did the main focus of the app. Uh, we can find us at tails.harpy.gg. So Tails is the application. Harpy. H-R-A-R-P-I would be the company name and .gg be the extension. So tails.harpy.gg. Come play with us. It will be a pleasure.
I will include a, a link in the description of the episode. Well, uh, awesome. <laughs> have a nice CyberConf. People seemed very excited during uh, our uh, open microphone on Friday about Tails, so uh, hopefully it should bring you uh, even more users. Yeah, absolutely. We had great feedback, so it's it's very, very nice. A super conf, honestly. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And uh, maybe since you're in Canada, maybe we'll meet again at Draconis, where, which uh, I hope to well, attend. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> See you there. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Spin your tail, mayor. Motorbike, prevail around the holes on these ancient cities. I need more minutes on my cellular phone I need an international dialing code But it's no stress, just an SMS The beginnings of a poem I say your name a thousand times over in my head When it's time to rest, like an egg in a nest You may not know it, but I'll be there soon Prevail around the holes on these ancient city streets I need more verses to fill out this song And now I need some horses to drag this thing along Don't know how it ends, don't even know how it began I say your name thousand times over in my head when it's time to rest there's a feeling in my chest you may not know it but I'll be there soon spin me a tail mayor motorbike prevail around the holes on these ancient cities I am now joined uh, by Philippe. Could you introduce yourself to all listeners, please? Uh, I'm Philippe Gamache, also known as the Gnome Archivist. I am a small editor from the province in Quebec in Canada. We publish a couple of role-playing games, a couple of tabletop games, and many other are in development. I'm a big player, master of role-playing game for many, 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 many years. I should say now decades. <laughs> I start in 81, I think, yeah. Proper old school. <laughs> yeah, very old. Time flies. I'm starting to clock a decade or two uh, as well. Huh? Awesome. And time flies. Actually, we are cheating right now because I screwed up our recording. So actually, CyberConf ended two months ago <laughs> almost. Yep. So what was your experience of CyberConf? It was a great experience. A French-only speaking conference. I tried other in English as a conference for role-playing game. Online, one of the best one I had. There were a very good atmosphere. There were a lot of nice people to talk. A lot of good panel everywhere. People are going through all the virtual kiosk we had there play some games, DM some game too, and always very nice. You know, at the same time, it's quite different as a, a normal conference. 
But at the same time, it have other advantages, like there were people from everywhere, player from Australia, from North America, from Europe. I also talked to a Japanese who was in Japan. So it was quite incredible. It was like a very nice coming of at least the French-speaking community everywhere, playing together, trying new games. There were a lot of new games, and those panels were all very interesting, at least the one I had the chance to listen to, even the one I didn't listen during the convention, <laughs> because you can listen to them afterward. That was a nice touch, too, because usually we never have time to see everything we want. So in that way, there's much time to see, talk to people as uh, someone who always have a kiosk on different conference. It's a nice pace to be able to go to the other kiosk, still being at my own kiosk at the same time. I'll say it was more, uh, not friendly, but more like discussion prone. So <laughs> we had like different discussion all over the different kiosk at the same time. It was really a multitasking conference for that. And the organization was top-notch. Did you have a, a favorite panel that you thought was especially interesting? Oh, by the way, if people want to watch the panels, they are not perfect, but they are automated captions. So even if you don't speak French, you should be able to somewhat understand what people are saying thanks to YouTube. I will include a link in the description of the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot that. There's a, the automatic translation. Well, vocabulary can be a somewhat niche, obscure yeah. <laughs> for, for YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and especially the French people tend to use very, very specific words. Not the general word, but the one that's truly, truly the specific word. So it's always more, even me, sometimes I need to, what it does it mean? Okay, with the context now, I understand, or something like that. There's someone recently who sent me a, a tweet. She volunteered to be my guest on one of my shows, and uh, that, that should happen. That should, should be very nice. But she just told me, yeah, if you need someone to talk about CSP++++, and I was like, I don't know what you mean. Speak French? It's my first language, but I have no clue what this three-letter code means, and it was catégorie socio-professionnelle. Oh, wow. Superior. And I was like, okay, why don't you just use a word? Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're, you work on different kind of work during the day, and then you go, sometimes it can be very, uh, yeah, it's not very easy sometimes. There's two things I really, really like. First, it's not really a panel, but it was the feature for people who are hearing impaired. They had automatic translation into texts of games and panels. That was really interesting. So because of that, there were a very nice accessibility panels with a lot of tools they talk about. And it looked like it's a big trend because today I received, they made a big document on it. And today, there's an English, same kind of document that got out, and they don't have the same tools. So it's like very in the nature of the moment now. It's very interesting. Oh, so it's nice to compare and try to make the best of the two. Exactly. It's good to compare. And the other one was really for tools to do like online games, more text RPG, a little bit like forum RPG, but better formatted for roleplay. The tool is called Tales. 
actually the interview that the people will have listened to just before hours now is with Nicola from their team explaining okay. the, the tool. So she got all the details about that. I was really impressed of the dictation of the community, not just the developers and things like that. People hacking the tools and now they're adding some little stuff to help those way because they see people using it in a different way. And I did find that very interesting. So it's like a mix of maker with role player community coming together. It's really, really cool. It's really nice. The relationships which started developing across borders, air quote, thanks to the current crisis, all the tools which are being developed. I really think the online tabletop, and not just online, but I think it will impact the, the whole tabletop community. As a community, as a hobby, I think we'll be all better for it. Yeah, this is for sure. There will be long-term. People are getting used to use the tools. People who didn't want to use them before yes. because they, they like the interaction together. I'm sure they will go back when they can play together because there's a kind of feeling. But at the same time, playing like we do with the Aventurer, my podcast, role-playing game in the province of Quebec, we do have a big community and we always play games with French people because sometimes we don't find enough player for a game because it's like very obscure game or people are scared of using it. But by enlarging the community like that, it really creates a lot of good synergy, in fact. And at the same time, it gets easier to transfer knowledge from North America to France and vice versa because we're so close to the US uh, and a lot of us go to those big conventions in the US very easily. For me, some of them like are about one or two hour roads, other are farther, but we can have those kind of synergies between more and more conventions like that because before they didn't know about the small game company from here and now we're always like, oh, can you come to our convention? So we get to show what we are doing in the province here. So tell us about that, actually, Les Aventureux. What is it? What are you up to? Or can people engage with what you do? Les Aventureux, at the beginning, it was a podcast. And because of Discord, it became a big community. So the number of people on the podcast changed a little bit with times. Even some members from the beginning are not there anymore. But the podcast is always the car coming with other stuff. Like we do have our YouTube channel. We do have a Twitch channel. In the podcast, we talk about role-playing game. So sometimes the difference between how it's played in France, how it's played in Quebec, so how it's played in the US. Sometimes we talk about trendy subjects like accessibility or very nerdy stuff on role-playing game. Sometimes we talk about a specific game. But the community, it's like game and game and game and game. So there's almost at least a game every day. Oh, wow. Because we're quite open. There's sometimes more than that. And sometimes we do have French game, English games, or bilingual games. We're quite active because, like I said, there's a lot of game coming from some player from France, some player from here who create games. We do have a lot of one-shot, a lot of short campaign. Usually the longer campaign, our group has a season, maybe six to 10 game or whatever. So sometimes there's a game. Each season, they change their system. 
but it's always the same universe, always the same character. So there are a lot of things that the people are trying. We do have a lot of open table. We do have also a lot of table that's called first timer. Anyone can enter, but if you never play one game with us, you have priority. We try to be very inclusive. In terms of inclusiveness and opportunities maybe to play with you, a nice way to tie this series about CyberConf and look towards the future, I believe Les Aventureux will be quite active as part of another online convention coming soonish. It's the biggest official convention for role-playing game in the province of Quebec. It's called Draconis. It's usually each year during a bigger convention that's called Montreal Jeu, Montreal Play. So you have like every kind of game as conference everywhere on the Montreal island. And it's quite a big island. So there's maybe 40s to 100 libraries, big shopping mall that have game activity. So some place you cannot play role-playing games, other places going to play computer games and things like that. But Draconis is the weekend of role-playing game, full weekend. Each year, it's the last one of February. This year, because of COVID, we're doing it online. And we did add other times where French people will be able to play because the big difference of time, they can start playing before we're even awake. So they don't have to play during the night. And because it's from a conference in Montreal, it's quite bilingual, mainly French. <laughs> but we do have a lot of game in English too. And we do have like bilingual game where the master will translate in both language, depending on the facility of people to speak one language or the other. And it's quite open for every kind of game. We do have Dungeon and Dragon Adventure Leagues, lot of local creator. It's open to everybody, so creators from everywhere can present their game. Hopefully, we're going to have a lot of French one. we like to have a couple of English people, too. It's open to everybody. I will be running my own game yep. there. So I'm not sure when exactly what will be my time slots, but I submitted a session of Paris Gondo, The Life-Saving Magic of Inventoring. So I really look forward to introduce this game to the Canadian audience in French. Oh, super. Are you going to run something yourself? Yeah, we're running our game called Level Zero. It's a game almost for beginners. It's a little bit more than just for beginners. It's more for people who like to play trad games, but with lighter rules. I'm playing another game. It's a French game. That's an old game. It's a Mousquetaire de l'Homme, so Shadow Musketeer has Ooh. a nice translation. But I play a little bit differently to make it a more modern, very small change. Usually, we have a game we call uh, Bamboo and Bones. It's a game. Uh, but I have too much stuff to do. I cannot do without that guy. And it cannot be there this year. So it's a little bit sad because it's our only free game. And people tend to like it. We play something very like uh, Kung Fu, Hong Kong style. So a lot of walking on tree or... And every action you have can have consequence on your conscience and on your life. If it's a good thing, you can have stuff that you can make special effect to it. It can be good karma or it can be bad karma. The bad karma is like it goes to the master of the game. 
So he can now uh, add like special effect to his baddies or create something very unexpected. The baddies now become a werewolf or whatever. It gives place for a lot of nice situation. Anything that have action, you can play with that game. So it's really fun. I really look forward to playing something at Draconis. And maybe I will record an episode there because uh, normally I record this show in person, <laughs> but the situation doesn't allow that quite yet. So, so yeah, so I should record at the end of the month, January 30th. There's a convention in the Philippines oh. called Session Zero Con, which seems very interesting. They're going to have a, uh, I'm explaining that at the Indian credit, but they're going to have an interface, which is a map, you know, like Pokemon or Zelda. So you move your little character in the wow. convention hall on the map. And when you get close to someone, you, you can hear them or even see their camera turning on. I know that kind of tool. Uh, we use them on other conference. Oh, nice. It wasn't not a role-playing game. It was an anime conference. But yeah, it, uh, it does work. Do you have anything left to add? And uh, where can people find you when you wish to be found? It's easy because if you look for Gnome Archivist, even if you write it in English, there's an E at the end in French, and that's a big difference. It's easy to find me either on Twitter, on Facebook, or on our website. Reconist, I will be there everywhere. I got like three or four kiosks. I don't remember exactly the number. I will <laughs> <laughs> one for the adventurer, one for Gnome Archivist as a creator and as a sales to-do. I'm very easy to find with my name, Philippe Gamache. I will include links in the description of the episode, so even easier. Yeah. Thank you so much, Philippe. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again at Draconis. Yeah, that will be fun. This episode includes Des Milliers d'Animaux, Thousands of Animals by Miss Emma. Spin Me a Tale by Grandfather Gold. And of course, Solta or Frango or Team Song by Bonded or Roll. Our logo is designed by Rodin Kearns and you can find it on notebooks, apparels, pin badges, stickers and even face masks on the T-Public store of the Rollis podcast, linked in the description of this episode. Do you remember when I recorded an episode titled The New Normal? Well, guess what? We are not quite there yet. Uh, or at least I hope so, because the current normal is anything but normal. Everything is under lockdown here in London. I had a walk today. Some things are open, but uh, most things are not. And yeah, people are not supposed to go further than where they can walk to. And I'm, I'm very lucky of what I got within a walking distance. But I miss going further than that. Anyway, that's the end of our Cybercom cycle. That's a way, I guess, to travel, go to online conventions. I think those are actually quite interesting. And even when things go back to, air quote, normal and waving arms at the world, all of this is sorted. I think these things will remain because it was a very good experience. So, of course, CyberConf was in French, so most of our listeners, I believe, were not able and won't be able to attend the 3.0, which uh, my little birds tell me it's under work. But uh, yeah, it will be a while before it's happening. But this month, this year, on January 30, Saturday, 
2021, there's another online convention that you can join. And in some aspects, it's even more exciting. It's called Session Zero Con. It's organized by tabletop RPG enthusiasts from RPGC. So that's RPG SEA for Southeast Asia. This convention is Philippines and Malaysia based, but you can attend it online. So that's already quite exciting. Uh, you need to go to the website and register as soon as possible to participate to it. You can join games there. There's going to be panels. I think some stuff is going to be streamed on Twitch. I'm going to try attending online this convention because visually, in terms of experience, it will be quite special because the interface will be like a map for the old Zelda games. Or if you're younger, for the old Pokemon games in 2D. Or if you are younger, like I guess Stardew Valley or something like that. But it's all in 2D, not isometric, but top view like that. And you have your little character that you move around. You can run into people. You got the camera and the microphone, which turns on when they, they close. You can go to rooms and you can only hear the people and things going on in that room. You can go to booth. They're going to be even a booth from the RPG Lasdam for Latin America, which is going to be there. There's going to be a booth for a current Kickstarter called all shores, which I recommend you check out, which includes a lot of talented individuals from RPGC. Should be quite cool. And uh, this interface could be nice for the experience of you walking in a corridor and you run into someone and suddenly you can start a little impromptu conversation. Speaking of conversation, as a preparation to this convention, it's not on our regular podcast feed, but you can find on the Rollist YouTube channel interviews that we recorded on Twitch. So they were live streams, so you can also find them on the release Twitch channel. So I recommend you follow the Twitch channel and you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, everything is linked in the description of this episode. But we've got a series of five Road to Session Zero Con interviews being recorded. I already recorded three of them. There's two more coming. So the last two should be on Monday 25th. It's at 2 p.m. London time. That's 9 a.m. on the U.S. East Coast. Monday, January 25th. And the fifth and final interview will be on January 28th on Thursday, same time, 2 p.m. London time, 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern time. And uh, yeah, uh, we had ZXU, we had Aki, we had Rachel and Sin, all talented designers from Asia for you to meet and find out about this work. I really recommend you go check those interviews. Hopefully next month, the Rollist will have an episode for you recorded at Session Zero Con because uh, I'd like to keep the Rollist recorded in person or at least something special, not just, otherwise it's just like Cafe Rollist. What's the point really? So at least having those online conventions, I think still make the Rollist quite unique. So there you go. And also, I'm very happy to have completed the editing of the February episode of RPG Academy Film Studies, which is a return of B. Zelda and Scott Brown, who previously joined us for a film studies about Delicatessen. This time, we will be discussing Black Cat, White Cat from Emir Costa Rica, which I thought was much more famous outside of Europe. But uh, yeah, I love recording this episode and I love the final result. And I cannot wait to share it with you. It should be happening on Monday, February 8th. 
Thanks again for listening. In the meantime, stay safe. Take care of yourself mentally and physically. And uh, have good games online. Check out the Gauntlet also. It's really cool to join games. There's a Gauntlet Open Community Gaming weekend coming. So yeah, if you're looking for online games and you don't know where to look, feel free to send me a message on one of my many social media channels and I will be very happy to help you find your way online where to find cool games. Cheers, bye! Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama Ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo Na hora do piriri, cai em mim outra vesti Vai batuque! Rolê! 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 Solta o frango e vem com a gente Rolê! Rolê! She's just a rage and she's on fire Other than a road 20 Longing like a giveaway She's just a rage and she's on fire Feeling like a catastrophe But it knows that she can scream all day oh, sound and she's casting it down oh she got a cans on which found and she's not backing down this range is on fire Yeah.
Non, mais oui, mais c'est la super conf 3.0, là. Incroyable! <rire>